Welcome to Tales, Tunes, and Tom Fullery, starring Jerry Springer, along with Gene Galvin and me. I'm Megan Hills. We're recorded live in front of a brilliant studio audience at the Folk School Coffee Parlor in Ludlow, Kentucky. My and here he is, ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Jerry Springer. Thank you. Thank you. I tell you, having three people applaud, that just knocks me out. Well, it's the quality, Jerry, not the quantity. Yeah. <laughs> Post-COVID audiences sure do look a lot different, don't they, Jerry? <laughs> yeah. 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 Hey, that's oh, the well. voice. That's the voice of Casey Campbell, our music coordinator. We've uh, pressed him. We do this periodically to be not only our music coordinator. Casey lines up all these great guests. We're from all over the country, uh, up-and-coming singer-songwriters. But he is a singer-songwriter himself, and we've asked him to, as, as he has done a number of times in the past, to be on with us tonight. And uh, Megan will introduce Casey a little bit later on. But Jerry... We open our podcast always with, we call them internally, Jerry's rant, where Jerry analyzes something that's happening. And uh, I know, because we talked earlier, that something happened in New York City. This is interesting, Jerry, because you being a, a guy that went to high school and was raised in New York City uh, and born in England, and uh, that relates because the City Council of New York uh, and it was agreed with by the mayor, Mayor de Blasio, has is taking down the statue, the commemorative statue to Thomas Jefferson, one of the committee of five that wrote the Declaration of Independence. He actually was the main guy. Jared will probably get into all this. Yep. But Thomas Jefferson's statue is coming down. And Jerry, what's your take? And I know in your take, you're going to explain why they want to take it down. Okay, yeah, thanks. Uh, a key battle in today's culture wars is being played out in New York City City Council as its members voted this month to remove the statue of founding father Thomas Jefferson from their chambers where it had stood for over 100 years. All this initially became an issue a few years back when white supremacists held a rally in Charlottesville, Virginia, protesting the call to remove the statue of Confederate General Robert E. Lee, their hero. African-Americans weren't their only target. Some were wearing shirts, carrying signs, chanting, Jews shall not replace us. Now, as if this horrific scene wasn't bad enough, not surprisingly, President Trump defended these white supremacists by stating they were fine people on both sides. Really? Of course, Trump's blatant racism is not a surprise. But then he suggested what actually has become the subject of the present debate, that tearing down statues of Confederate generals takes us down a slippery slope. Who's next, he said, Washington, Jefferson? And here we are facing that exact question. Shall we obliterate or rename all structures that bear their names? Well, of course not. There's an obvious difference between Confederate generals and our founding fathers, even understanding that they were all flawed characters. Tearing down statues of Confederate leaders and generals makes sense because the only reason they are remembered today is because they were part of and leaders of the attack and war on the United States of America. 
They were the clearest example of traitors to our country, responsible for the death of hundreds of thousands of our citizens. Indeed, the most treasonous act that has ever been committed against our nation for the sole purpose of preserving the indefensible and inhumane institution of slavery. Of course, they shouldn't be honored. So some ask, well, then, if slavery is the issue, Jefferson owned slaves, as did Washington and Madison and most of our founding fathers, though it should be said, not John Adams. So why should, for example, Jefferson's statue remain standing? Well, there's a significant difference. Yes, Jefferson owned slaves, many of them, I think some 600. And in fact, he had six children by one of them, that's Sally Hemings. But though that's a significant fact of his clearly flawed character, it's not what he's being remembered for. No, he's being remembered for authoring the founding document of our nation, including perhaps the most famous and significant sentence in the English language. We hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. I know he wrote these words, and yet he didn't live by them. And he can't use the excuse that most people in his surroundings, white men of financial substance, that they owned slaves, because there were many who didn't. And the moral debate was highly visible at the time. And he could have chosen to go the other way. Though being from Virginia, he wouldn't have had much of a political career if he had. But regardless of what we rightly see as his moral failing, this document and the founding of our nation is no small achievement. And that, as with George Washington, is what these people are being recognized for. Unlike the Confederate generals, they didn't try and destroy America. They created it in full recognition that at our birth, we weren't yet perfect, which is why the opening line of our Constitution is, quote, in order to form a more perfect union. So I don't believe there's a slippery slope from Robert E. Lee to Thomas Jefferson. Indeed, there's no slope at all. However, having said all this, I think it's perfectly legitimate for each generation to choose who and what it wants to recognize or honor. Black Lives Matter has certainly made me more sensitive to how other people can be touched or hurt by what we say and do based on their life experiences, even if I or we don't intend to cause harm. To the extent that the New York City Council is making the statement that we shall not honor anyone who in their own life consistently supported the institution of slavery when he or she could have chosen a more moral road, well, that's not a bad lesson for our kids. Indeed, better they ask, why isn't there a statue for the man who authored the Declaration of Independence? And we then can say, because he owned slaves. That's a pretty powerful lesson for our kids in itself. Yeah, Jerry, that's, yeah, absolutely. that's excellent. Uh, you know, this topic is, well, 
it, it's very substantive and it probably we're looking at the leading edge of this because once New York did what they did, it's probably going to get thrashed out other places. And, I, and when I knew that you were going to uh, do a rant on this and I didn't know which way you were going to go on it, as I understand you, you're saying we have to differentiate between the traitors who are uh, generals of the Confederacy because they were cessationists. They, yeah. they were traitors. And Jefferson, on the other hand, uh, thought up largely, uh, by the way, just finished John Meacham's book. And I know you read it a while ago, Jerry. Yeah. Uh, Jerry Springer, by the way, for people who don't know, is extremely well read, particularly in history. I was joking with him the other day and said, dude, you could you could teach AP high school history as well as college courses, uh, particularly in this political leadership niche. It's true, Jerry, right? I mean, that that's the area you really love. So you jumped yeah. on the Meacham book called Thomas Jefferson, colon, The Art of Power. And it's a, a well-researched, yeah. it's a great book. Uh, and so you're saying that the Confederate generals are traitors. And right. uh, clearly, clearly, uh, Jefferson was quite the opposite. And it made me think, and in a second, Casey and Megan jump in on this as well, because we probably all have some thoughts on this. Are there, this is where I got stuck this week, landed. I didn't get stuck, I landed here. Are there some behaviors that a leader can do that are what I would call deal breakers for commemoration? Deal breakers. And I'll give some examples that I began to kind of think through when I landed at that spot. And you, Jerry, said, yes, a traitor to America. That's a deal breaker. Yeah. And those statues got to come down, have every right to be taken down. And we can explain it to the school children that that is being taken down because they were traitors to our country. Jefferson, on the other hand, was a founder of our he. What he did was magnificent. It wasn't just good. It was magnificent because he thought up all the elements. And a lot of people thought, and they, they edited it according to Meacham, but for example, the Declaration of Independence, and they added things as they went. But he was a master at the political process of leading people and not getting too far ahead. He was a master. Now, on the other hand, and we also know there'll be no statues for Adolf Hitler. I know Marge Schott. Oh, yeah. Remember Marge Schott? Said, oh, yeah. Hey, he did a lot of good things. It was just that one thing. Yeah, like killing six million Jews. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah. Yeah. Now, by the way. Picky, picky, picky. By the way, her name, Marge Schott, our, our listeners across the country may not know it as well as we do. We're local to Cincinnati. Her name came off of a building at the University of Cincinnati. It came off a building at St. Ursula High School. I think she was a graduate and donated a lot of money. So Adolf Hitler will not have a statue anywhere in the world because what he did was a deal breaker. So, yep. And by the way, if a Catholic priest abused children, they're not going to canonize him or put his name on a school or a but church. We've already got statues all over the Vatican and all over the world of Catholic priests that have more than likely abused children. Right. So like you can't, you can't write, wipe that all clean. All right. And 
kind of going back to what Jerry was talking about and what you had mentioned, Gene, like my problem with the whole, with the whole pro with this is, is yes, he helped write this incredible document. Like Gene said, however, while he was writing this, he was owning slaves. So while this incredible, enlightened, all men created equal, except for the people that I have in my backyard that I am not treating as human. So to be able to completely block off that part of his identity and personality while he has influence over something like that, that is really for me the bigger problem. That while all of this wonderful preaching is going on, the life that's being lived at home, not unlike the Catholic priests, is not... It's it's not equitable to the life that he's preaching for other people. to. Live. Are you saying so that for you, the owning of slaves while he wrote those words, the hypocrisy of that, it actually even is worse, Megan. He called Cherokee Indians. It was, uh, again, this is from yep. Newton's book, who rose up against uh, white people coming into their uh, area and uh, grabbing land, claiming land to grow cotton. That was the beginning of yeah. the whole plantation process. And uh, to that, Thomas Jefferson said that he called them the Cherokee, very advanced uh, indigenous uh, nation, by the way, called them wretches and said, mm -hmm. I'm paraphrasing here, we need to go into their villages and take the killing to them. We need to get them right where they are. He said words that led later to Andrew Jackson, Stonewall Jackson, initiating the Trail of Tears, which sent those people, and most of them died on the way, a huge portion to go to Oklahoma. So are, are you agreeing that there are some behaviors that are just deal breakers? That they, you just they are, and it's, it's the intentions behind it, too. It's not just the behaviors, because behaviors you can look at and say, okay, maybe they didn't know. The fact that he was able to clearly, you know, write and talk about freedoms that people people are that are God given freedoms to any human be being and can't look past his own nose to see what he's doing in his own life. I feel like that's such a double standard. And, and to, I don't know, to honor that for me is, is very disingenuous because if he's as enlightened as he seems to be in his writing, then there would be no question about how he treated the uh, native Americans and how he treated um, slaves. So I, I, there's just, it's way too much two faced in there for me. I don't know. Yeah, go Casey. Well, yeah. So um, that it's it's a very loaded question, especially when you get for me, especially when you get into uh, you know figures of prominent you know, American history for us being Americans. Um, no, very very few people should I say uh, throughout American history could be looked at in modern eyes and be labeled as blameless or be labeled as someone who would meet our current ethical ideals of of a person who should be you know revered mm -hmm. uh i mean abraham lincoln you know you you mentioned thomas jefferson abraham lincoln who is almost universally revered across the political spectrum for what he you know did throughout his political career was also a, a tyrant to the native american population and and uh was was ruthless as well um for me for me statues statues are not history it's not we we are not talking now about tearing down the colossus of Rhodes or you know the first statue that was built when settlers hit the 
you know, the shores of America. I mean, we're talking about things that were put in place as memorials. And so statues are a way of memorializing history, not necessarily giving context to history. And I think that's where with the, uh, with the talk of Civil War monuments that were all erected, obviously, after the Civil They're not erecting monuments of, stat- of Robert E. Lee during the Civil War. So they all came afterward from people who wanted to memorialize what he meant to the culture that they are trying to uh, cement as something that was virtuous. And that that is where, to me, I think Jerry's point in his uh, monologue was exactly right on, is that as each generation comes forward, and as we add a new layer to our understanding of our history, uh, what the true history of America and the people who founded this country is, and what it means to us looking back on it now and then moving forward, I think every generation is going to have these moments, especially as we grow toward a more progressive and a more inclusive society. I think it's harder and harder to give a reason why we, for example, you know, just because it was 50 years after the Civil War that a lot of these monuments went up, we would in no way think it would be okay to go erect a new statue of Robert E. Lee. Um, and so is it erasing history? I suppose some people I see, I don't agree with it, but I see how they could wrap their mind around an historical object being removed from the halls of the New York, you know, uh, state legislature building is an erasure of history, but we're not erasing Thomas Jefferson from the history books. What we are trying to do is contextualize him and give a more complex picture of who he was as an actual person and not this floral ideal of a man from an oil painting. We're, you know, we're trying to put his life into context in the sense of, we know this about him now. This, these are, these are undisputed facts that Sally Hemings was a right, perhaps an unwanted, you know, or an unwilling mistress of his. And he fathered an entire, generation and multiple, multiple, multiples of mixed race people that he never even uh, acknowledged. And and for so long, his family fought to actually acknowledge the fact that this was real. That's, that's the real history. And I think moving forward, it's something that people need to get comfortable with is being uncomfortable in recognizing our true history as Americans and what this idolization of founding fathers and the people who, you know, were the, the birth of this country, what that really means. Because if you, if you go ask an, if you go ask a native American, if you go ask an indigenous person, none of these people have any right to be revered there. They would, it, you know, I mean, it's, 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 it is a complex issue. And sadly, that's one dealing with complex issues is something that we don't do very well right now, because everything is, a or B, Democrat or Republican, left or right. And an issue like this is so much more complicated because while some people could look at it saying, well, that's going too far. Thomas Jefferson is a founding father. Go go to a history museum. Go to, you know, Monticello. Go to uh, read your, you know, most trusted history books and 
you can still get your history. That does not mean that we have to memorialize this person in the halls of our legislature simply because it's been there for 120 years now. Yeah, I, oh God, there are a million thoughts that come to mind in this. Um, the, there's the moral issue, which is clear cut. You know, I think the four of us would agree, and hopefully most Americans would agree, that morally there is no defense of slavery, period. But, mm -hmm. okay, so not but. That is the world these people were born into. Now the question is, how do you change that world? And one of the ways we change it is through politics. When we talk about Thomas Jefferson and what he wrote, he didn't just write a line which created a new country. He literally wrote a line that didn't exist on this planet. Every country in the world up to that time, except if you go back, well, no, no even Roman times, I'm sorry. Every country that exists in the world had a form of government where a few people at the top had the power and they governed. It could have been a monarchy. It could have been a military dictator. Uh, it could have been, well, later on, it would be a communist, whatever, a fascist. But every country, even a benevolent uh, king and queen like England had has for the last 100 years, 200 years, you know, Whatever it was, here was a brand new human concept. And the new human concept is what if we could create a society that will move against this form of tyranny? And so the steps are one at a time. Maybe the easy, let's face it, if Thomas Jefferson had come out against slavery, he never would have been elected to the state legislature in Virginia. We never would have heard of Thomas Jefferson yep. or any of these guys. You know, maybe John Adams could have started a revolution on his own. I don't know. But so what they did in their time, they started to move it a little bit at a time. In fact, the whole concept, which Thomas Jefferson, by the way, was not involved, it was not one of the signers of the Constitution. So, you know, a lot of people are, converging the two, but forgetting that for much of that time, he was in Europe as our ambassador in France. Uh, but we moved it from uh, this tyranny to we'll start with, okay, men are the only one that are allowed to own property and vote. And that was true in every society, every country. But let's start out at least with that group and say they're all created equally. And we have slaves here, so we'll have at least initially some recognition. The only way we'll get the Southern states to adopt the Constitution was if we put in that clause about three-fifths of a person. Otherwise, every That's Southern right. state yep. would not have ratified our Constitution and there'd be no United States of America. There may be two different countries. I understand it could have gone differently, but we have to put all that into context. So, for example, if you applied the same lesson today, there is no politician, uh, you know, about no politician alive that 
didn't go along with the fact that uh, certain things women couldn't do, that certain things gays couldn't get married, married. I mean, if you look at all the steps we've taken in the last 40, 50 years, you you know, when Barack Obama got elected, he couldn't talk about gay marriage. Now you can't get elected unless you support it. So all these major moral issues keep evolving over time. That is not to excuse their moral decision, but politically, there is a thought that if you are if you have a bad situation, a bad moral situation, you chip away as much as you can because you're going to need those votes to get it through. So everything was bargained. Civil rights didn't happen overnight, even without the, um, the Civil War. To get the Civil Rights Act, to get the Voting Rights Act passed, all of these things, how long did it take before we let 18-year-olds vote? In other words, it takes you, you, you buy a little bit at a time. And that's the only reason I'm saying, even though I go along with the New York City City Council, because I believe this generation has a right to choose who it's going to honor. But I understand the logic of saying, you know what, we're not going to get the whole loaf at once, particularly when you talk about these cultural um, moral issues. Let me ask you a question. You just made, in my opinion, a great defense of why we should never scrub Thomas Jefferson from our history book because he did all that and and he did hard things and he did great things. He was a big idea guy. But if we keep this discussion narrow to the taking down of a commemorative statue, which is when you look into the history of that statue in New York City, or you can go to Rushmore and look at the history of that, The one in New York City was put up in like 1900 and something by a military guy who wanted to commemorate the fact that he was for the freedom of religion. He has religion at its base. That's the why that particular one got there. But if Thomas Jefferson, if you're going to put up a commemorative statue, because I am for having taken it down. And God forbid, I start to think, well, Dean, you know, should we be taking Jefferson Hall off of the University of Cincinnati? And they took Marshot's name off of building. Should they take four? Because to me, as I was saying before, there are certain behaviors that are deal breakers. And to me, there's a moral, I'll call them an immoral equivalency between the Holocaust, the, the most evil thing I can imagine humans could do to other humans, and slavery. In its own way, in Gene Galvin's opinion, is an immoral equivalent. And I'll say the genocide of Native Americans. I'll just name those three. I could be wrong, but that's how it goes in my brain. Okay. Thomas Jefferson could have, and this relates to what Megan was saying earlier, could have, and you referenced 600 slaves in Thomas Jefferson's lifetime. Didn't have all of them at the end because slaves live and die. Thomas Jefferson even said uh, women's slaves are more valuable. And this is Thomas Jefferson's words. Women's, I'm paraphrasing. Women's slaves were more valuable because they would breed more slaves. Thomas Jefferson wrote an ad tracking down while my hero, John Rankin, 
Ripley, Ohio, whose life overlapped with Thomas Jefferson's, who was a preacher and a philosopher and a hero for at the same time period articulating, no, all men are created equal, red man, black man, white man, they all, and, and Thomas Jefferson, I'm now creating, Jerry, the bad list, because we have a huge long list, by the way, in my mind, much longer on the good yeah. side. There were three kinds of emancipation, partial, where an owner would say, my slaves are free, don't mess with them. The second was John Rankin, same time period, said, full emancipation. You're just like a white farmer, go wherever the hell you want. If you want to go back to another country, get a yeah. job, raise some money and get a ticket and go back to another country or go to Haiti or wherever. Thomas Jefferson said in his own words, documented in history, the only kind of emancipation, which he says, I think is eventually going to come, is to put them on boats and send them back. He was for colonialization. It's documented. So when I look at all of that, and he died, for God's sake, freeing his family members. Casey, you just referred to that. The children birthed by a 14-year-old at first, maybe 15. She brought his young daughter over to France, where he was also an emissary on behalf of the new America. And she was 14 years old when she showed up. A lot of people, this is why this is good to dig into this on our podcast. A lot of people don't know this. Yep. Sally Hemings was the half-sister yeah. of Thomas Jefferson's deceased wife. His, Thomas Jefferson's wife's father was having sex with slaves. One of them bore Sally Hemings. And then Jefferson, when she, when he died, she just up and left because Jefferson's daughter gave her, as they called it, her time, her freedom. She went to Ohio and never talked about Thomas Jefferson. She got married and just carried on a life as a white woman. He did all of that. He didn't free anybody at the end. Uh, by the way, at uh, Mount Vernon, uh, Washington did on his deathbed in his will, freed his slaves. Yeah. If he lived his whole damn life, like you put it, Megan, with people in the yard getting him stuff and doing whatever he said, I say to this podcast group, how in the MF hell do you put up a commemorative statue? How do you justify like that man was too intelligent to not to be able to see the difference? And I understand what you were saying, Jerry, about, you know, steps, but. It, to commemorate it, to put it up years later, it, it it just seems to fly in the face of 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 everything that this generation is trying to do. And like maybe this isn't the the voice and the image that this generation wants. And I fully support and understand that because there the the level of hypocrisy is just outstanding. Well, I, I just just to be clear, as I said at the end of my my uh not rant or whatever it is uh my commentary yeah um i you know i would vote to do away with it this generation mm -hmm. has every right yeah. and i understand yeah. i agree with everything that you are saying about how he lived his life i get it uh i'm trying to put into and so there's no need for us to have a statue of thomas jefferson I am just saying that what is being honored by 
initially him being put up there and us recognizing it is the idea, how often have we said America is the only nation to have been created by an idea? We take that for granted now. And now we're starting to move back in the other direction, sadly, and we're seeing where that's going. So Mm -hmm. it is not a small matter that what he publicly did, not how he lived his personal life and the hypocrisy, and I get it all. And, and, And that is significant. But at the time the statue was being put up and all the, you know, until this became really public knowledge 20 years ago or whatever, when, you know, the Hemings family sued to to be recognized, et cetera. Uh, But prior to that time, the whole purpose of Thomas Jefferson was all men are created equal. That is not just a political speech. That is was such a revolutionary idea for the planet Earth that a few years later came the French Revolution. And, and all of a sudden, democracy became a, a form of government that other countries and other people who want to come over to America suddenly took pride in. And, oh, wow, why don't we try this? Yeah, why shouldn't we have ultimately have the vote and have the say who our leaders are? That is such an incredible to be the first, in a sense, publicly the first human on earth to really push that other than religious figures, I would say, you know, it can't just flippantly be said, aha, you were a hypocrite. You were a sinner. You did something horrible. You didn't follow what you're in your own private life, what you publicly would do, whatever he did privately, thank God publicly, he introduced this concept, which founded a nation. And that's all I'm saying. I absolutely today we can say that was a horrible moral thing. It should have been said back then for whatever reason it wasn't. And no, of all the things we can honor, we're not going to honor Thomas Jefferson uh, because of the, uh, the race issue. I think it is crazy to support now that we are made so it's just so obvious that we have a white supremacist country in terms of white institutions running everything. We all, we all get it. And we can't be honoring these things. So I'm fine. If I were on city council in New York, there's no question I would vote. I don't want it. I just didn't want the moment to pass as if discussing this with on Robert E. Lee is anywhere on the same level of, of, of what Thomas Jefferson did. Because if we had not recognized Thomas Jefferson when he was a public figure, there would be, I think it's fair to argue, at least for the next hundred years, no United States of America. There was no force pushing it anywhere on the planet, except these few founding fathers that said, you know what, here's an idea. Let's create a country based on this idea. That is so huge. Let's go even beyond that. What he did, again, this is on the positive side. He fought, did he not, Jerry, for pretty much his entire life to protect this Republican approach to government against the so-called Federalists and the people in our own, among our own founding fathers 
who he constantly thought were creeping back to a monarchy or some elitist uh, heredity version of government. So uh, not only did Thomas Jefferson think all that up, that he fought to protect it the whole way. But let me ask you this. Let's say, let's make the big jump and go from, because you're saying, Jerry, you would vote. And I remember your first town city council in Cincinnati, you advanced a motion to stop the war. The Cincinnati city council would oppose the war in Vietnam. It went further. My idiocy (laughs) went further. The motion said prohibiting any Cincinnati resident from serving in undeclared wars. And since Congress had not declared war on Vietnam, Mm. I believed it was unconstitutional. And I was hoping that that ordinance would then go ultimately before the Supreme Court, forcing Congress (laughs) to have to vote on whether we're we, you know, and every politician wanted to avoid having to That's vote on brilliant. it. That was the purpose of it. I was r- roundly condemned. There, that is why there are no statues <laughs> of me in Cincinnati City Hall. Is, there- <laughs> is a faded. There is, oh, is nothing more oh. than a faded black and white picture in the mayor's office. Wow, this important conversation has really caught the interest of our on-air team. And because of its length, we're going to air the conclusion next week where they'll weigh in on the questions of should we even take Thomas Jefferson off Mount Rushmore? And why didn't at least one of the founding fathers propose at the time to put representatives of African slaves and indigenous people at the decision table when they formed the United States? We hope you'll tune in.